Anyway, today, Wolves Among Us, Part 2. Last time we looked at <coughs> false teachers and that we learned to be alert to those false teachers and then to examine their lives in 7.16. Beware of false prophets who come <coughs> in sheep's clothing. Sorry, my mask. I don't like wearing them, especially before I preach. But beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. So the, the key there was that Jesus is telling us to be careful about false teachers, false prophets, those who proclaim the word seemingly the word is okay, but when you realize that it's false, you have to be aware of that and move away from them. Now today, Jesus really comes, I think, driving down to the central issue on the Sermon on the Mount. I want you to think about the metaphors that he uses here. He uses healthy tree, diseased tree, good fruit, bad fruit, cut down, and all within this one four verses and Jesus uses an argument here to make a, disti a, a distinction now the trees are obviously people that's something that we can extrapolate from here that trees are the people and the fruit is what they produce in their lives so let's look at this I believe what we look at, first of all, is some profess Christianity. Some profess Christianity. Jesus says this, So every healthy tree bears good fruit. Agathos is the word for healthy, and that means good, but also in the sense of moral qualities. So Jesus now is looking at the tree being healthy. That is something that is producing something that is good. And it's a tree, obviously, in representation of people. And bears is poyo, which means to produce something. So what is being produced is something that is morally good. It is excellent, with excellent qualities. The word good is kalos, which means in an outward form. So Jesus is acknowledging that what is inward will eventually come outward, and it will look good. Now let me say this. You can counterfeit good fruit. That's not the issue. Jesus will drive to the issue later on here in this text. But the issue here is that a good tree will produce something excellent, something of good moral character or quality and I think the issue here on the healthy tree really deals with the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit indwells a believer Acts 1 8 but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem Judea Samaria and the other parts of the world you this is this is the beginning of the New Testament age, and Jesus will uh, get to the end of this to show that there is a clear division between those who are diseased and those who are healthy. 
But I think it starts with the seedling. It starts by what's inside. Because of the word poyo, which means to produce something that is inward that comes out. And like I said, you can, for a time, you can seemingly look healthy inwardly, but not be. You can produce some type of fruit. Good people produce fruit all the time. And it may look good, but ultimately it is corrupt. And Jesus will deal with that as we unfold this. Secondly, the Spirit teaches us the right way to live for God. Every, every born-again believer has the Holy Spirit inside of them. And he begins teaching and training us in the ways of righteousness. Thirdly, the Spirit produces fruit in our lives. We've already seen this text. This is Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And this is what writes. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. I want us to realize this morning when Jesus mentions here that this tree is healthy, he is talking about a tree that has a good inward seed, a seedling. And when, as we live our Christian lives, we begin to produce fruit. Note, it is not particularly us doing the fruit producing. It is the spirit within us that helps us to produce the fruit. In fact, uh, in the Gospel of John... I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The issue is the good tree, the healthy tree, is connected to Christ. The good tree, those and those of us who have trusted in Jesus Christ, they are the good tree we produce automatically because of the connection that we have with Jesus Christ. It's him. And if we are producing anything in our lives, it is because we are under the control of the Holy Spirit who is able then to produce. Jesus is projecting here. He's projecting the New Testament era. And he uses trees to do it. It's masterful. This is the healthy tree. The healthy tree will produce good fruit. It's a type of fruit, any fruit. It could be a pear tree. It could be any type of vine, anything that relates to something that's being produced. You could put it this way. A pear tree will not produce apples. It will produce pears. Christians will produce fruit in their lives. That's Jesus' point. But some profess to be Christians. Some profess to be Christians when their actuality they are not. And then let's look at next what Jesus says. He talks about the disease tree. But the disease tree bears bad fruit. Sapros, rotten, decayed, having no value. Bad is paneros, and we've seen this word before. It, it not only refers to possessing a serious fault, but it is a reference to evil. So... And Jesus knows the difference because he just, he'll say it next. But here, here's, here's the issue. The diseased tree does not have the good seedling. 
it is of the world and and jesus having mentioned this he'll go on to make a distinction between the saved and the unsaved uh, in verse 21 he writes there he says this not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my father who is in heaven so jesus is driving now the sermon on the mount down to the the most critical point of the dialogue those sitting listening to jesus would have known a diseased tree is not good a healthy tree is good and they can maybe envisualize the fruit being produced on a good tree and a diseased tree and what that looks like the greek lexicon of the new testament some scholars have suggested that paneros really refers to the seedling that is to say a tree which is grown up completely from seed rather than being budded or grafted gentiles would be grafted in later seedling trees often produce a tasteless or even bitter fruit some poisonous by its very nature such a tree cannot produce good fruit and is therefore considered to be of no value again let me let me say this sometimes people can produce good things but ultimately it does not have the seed of the holy spirit in his life and of course according to the false teachers it may sound good but in actuality be something that is not from god people who profess christianity all you have to do over a period of time is just look at their lives jesus is saying right here you can be fruit inspectors you have to be fruit inspectors ultimately god is the root inspector but if it looks like a duck walks like a duck and quacks like a duck it's probably a duck so some profess Christianity. And the Galatians 5.22 text that I mentioned to you, right before that is this, Galatians 5.19-21. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, en- enmity strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions envy drunkenness orgies and things like these i warn you as i warned you before those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of god and then immediately following that but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience clear division jesus is not leaving any wiggle room here for the middle ground you are either a good tree or you are a diseased tree you are not in the same camp. You are not even of the same lineage, spiritually speaking. So some profess Christianity. You may have known it. You know, I, you know if, if somebody trusts in Jesus Christ, and then after that, it, please let me, let me say this. It's possible to receive Jesus Christ and not produce any fruit. It's, I don't know. It's difficult. 
but somebody who receives Jesus Christ supposedly, but you see no evidence of God in their life at all. I'll, I'll claim what James says, the Apostle James, can that faith save? The fact is that if you're connected to Jesus Christ, you will produce fruit. There will be evidence of fruit in your life. One day in Bible college, I'll never forget it, guy broke down, cried in class. We went around him and he said, for 20 years I ran from God's call on my life. He finally did go into the ministry 20 years later. I will say this, some will fall among the thorns, some will fall among the rocks, and some will fall on good soil. But ultimately, what you believe will come out and how you live your life, what your priorities are, will come out. Thankfully, I don't have to make the judgment call on that. But if I, as a mere Christian pastor, question the salvation of somebody who trusted Jesus Christ when they were seven years old, never attended church, never talks about God, never studies the Bible, never says, and, and is just a monster. I don't know how you get to salvation with that. I think it could have been an emotional moment, but never truly saved. And Jesus says it's clear. There's two. Some profess Christianity, but ultimately God knows. And I, I'm, I'm using this in, in the sense, and I'm in good company with other scholars, I see this as a division between the believers and the unbelievers. A healthy tree, Jesus says. So he's just got through saying that a healthy tree produces good fruit, a diseased tree pre, uh, produces bad fruit, and then says this, a healthy tree cannot produce bad fruit. It is impossible for a healthy tree to produce bad fruit. That is a statement of fact. And the question is, why is that? Well, let me give you a little chart. It's because we have Christ, us, and the fruit. They are all connected. A born-again believer cannot produce bad fruit because of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us and the fact that we are connected to Jesus Christ. We cannot produce bad fruit because of our connection with Christ. It's a fact. A healthy tree cannot, imperative, strong, cannot bear bad fruit. And ultimately, God knows. And he'll make the decision that day. Thankfully, I don't have to do that. Colossians. 110, walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Believers, true believers are those who are, they're going to make mistakes, they're going to sin, they're going to stumble. That's a given. But if you're sinning and stumbling and never having the issue of, you know, talk about God or think about God, then, there, then you may need to go back and look at the root to see if you've really trusted in Christ. But this is why uh, Paul told the church at Colossia, 
walk worthy of the Lord because we have the seed of Christ living in us and the goal of the Christian life, as I see it and as this text sees it, the goal of the Christian life is to please God, that we are to be bearing fruit. And I think it goes to the issue of surrendering, surrendering to the Holy Spirit so he can begin producing fruit in us that we cannot otherwise produce on our own in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That is a fact. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit. Nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. A diseased tree cannot bear good fruit. This is why. You have sin, the sinner, and rotten fruit. There is no connection to Jesus Christ. There is no connection. Now let me say this. A lot of lost people do good things. They give money to shelters. They give money to help get diseases cured. They do all kinds of good things. But the issue is, a bad tree, a diseased tree apart from Christ cannot produce good fruit. If doing good deeds could get you to heaven, why did Jesus go to the cross? He went to the cross to pay for our sins so that the Holy Spirit can indwell us and produce fruit in us. John, oh, this is a picture of bad fruit on a, on a vine. And Jesus says this in John 15, 4, As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. The issue here is the seedling. Trees come from somewhere. They come from seeds. If the seed is bad, it's not going to get healthy. It's going to produce something. Think about the people that you know in your life who claim to be Christians. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's scary. It's scary, and Jesus is going to really drill down next. So God knows. He knows that a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. And he will judge. God will be the judge. This is the scariest. It really is. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Ekapto, which is the word for cut down. It refers to separation. And in context, it's easy to see they, they would, at the harvest, they would prune and get rid of these trees that were not producing good fruit and they would be thrown into a fire. But the issue here is hoyed, fire, literally hell this is the end game 
the end game is that the bad trees on the day of judgment will be cut down and thrown into hell. That should not be a time of rejoicing for any of us. We should want people to come to the knowledge and saving truth of Jesus Christ. Stuart Weber writes this, the use of the present tense in both verbs, cut down, thrown, implies that this was a common practice among those who pruned orchards. But there is also implied a reference, it is, a reference to future judgment, and the present tense intensifies the certainty of that future event. There are people that we know in our lives today. They do not know Jesus Christ. What are we doing about that in our personal lives? Are we telling them about Jesus Christ? Are we telling them that they have to have Jesus Christ to go to heaven? Do we have a burning fire in our soul and a passion for the lost? It's easy, and I get into it too. You, you, you sit back and you go, that person's awful. But have they heard the good news of the gospel? Have we gotten out of our seat? Have we gotten out of our chair? Have we gone out and we've shared the gospel and said, look, I love you enough. I want to share the gospel with you so that you don't wind up in hell. Something you rarely hear from the pulpits anymore. The fact is, there is a hell. There is a literal hell. It is not going to be a party. It is going to be a place of gnashing of teeth and pain and torture and separation cut down from God for all eternity. And we need to, get a, we need to start getting the passion and the fire in our soul back for witnessing to lost people. We need to do that. It needs to consume us. It needs to drive us. And this is another image. Revelation 20:15. Whoever was not found written in the, in the Lamb's book of life, life was cast in to the lake of fire. We've got to really rethink how we engage the culture. In light of today, in light of where we are now, we have got to get the passion back. The worker at Walmart, the worker at Sam's, the next door neighbor, we have got to be actively pursuing a love relationship with them so that we can share the gospel. Listen, people, what I do every Sunday here, what you do every Sunday here is not a game. This is real. We need to wake up and we need to start sharing the gospel. We have, we have the healing that they need. The healing comes in form of the cross. We've got to get back to doing that. And it has to be first and foremost in our, because listen, I'm telling you, we do not live forever. Crazy, but this, this morning I woke up. Some of you old rockers from the 70s will remember this song, Dust in the Wind. All we are is dust in the wind. I couldn't get it out of my head. Maybe it was for this sermon. I don't know. But there's an end game. There's an end game. I can tell you, unless Jesus comes back, everybody in this room is not going to live forever. Well, not here anyway, but in eternity. So we have to, we have to reevaluate 
we have to get it we have to start getting a passion back for the lost don't don't raise your hand how many of you shared the gospel this week don't raise it how many of you shared the gospel in the last month the last year we could all ask for forgiveness of that myself included but we got to get it back it could be on an email listen I care about you I love you I don't want you to wind up here here's here's the thing they could say I don't want to hear it you know that they could even say I don't like you anymore that's okay but you have to share the gospel. We have to start doing that. That's, you've got a healthy tree. You've got a diseased tree. And all of us in this room know what that means. There are people who are saved. People who are lost. Our challenge. Our challenge. Thus you will recognize them by their fruit. Because of what comes after this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, in the kingdom of heaven. I think Jesus is making a transition here. On one end, the false teachers you should be able to recognize because their doctrines are false. On the other end, you can also realize that some people who say outwardly, I'm a Christian. Inwardly, they're not following God. And so God says, Jesus says, look, we got to get better at recognizing fruit. If you know somebody is lost, if you know somebody is lost, what prevents you from sharing the life-changing message of the gospel? If there's a lost person... I. If we have to start saying, we have to start saying, we have to start saying it. And yes, they may not like you afterwards. Yes, they may reject you. But you know what? Some of them might say yes. Some of them might say yes. Some people profess Christianity. But God knows, and there's coming a day when he will judge. And on that day, the day of dispensational grace will be gone. Now let me ask you, in closing, make sure you know Jesus. That's the first person you've got to worry about. If you're watching by Facebook today and you do not know Jesus Christ, please text me Just put a little link on there text me and I will talk to you about salvation but make sure you know Christ make sure you know where you're going to spend eternity because you're not even promised this afternoon young people think you're going to live forever you're not going to live forever you need to make a decision If you know Christ, 
and I'm, I got a good idea everybody here knows Christ. If you know him, what are you doing? Are you producing fruit? And I think one thing I was convicted about, and, and they say you're, you preach best what you're convicted most, is we've got to start praying for the lost. Maybe even getting a, a team together around here, prayer walking around our neighborhood, praying for every home in Tolono. And, and praying that God would give us the opportunity to share the gospel. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be awesome? Think about it. Church attendance is down, but there's 30 here, roughly. If all 30 of us shared the gospel two times here, two times 30 is what? 60. If 10 people out of that 60 accepted Christ, was baptized and started coming to church, we have church growth right there. Transfer growth is starting to die. Therefore, the church must start evangelizing. People are not moving like they used to, and most of it's because of this virus. So that transit growth is slowing down, which means we have to start saying, we got to start evangelizing and telling people about Christ. Pray for the lost. Pray for the lost. Maybe that neighbor, that friend, that family member, and you say, you know, I, you, you don't scream and yell like I did just a few minutes ago, but you just tell them, I love you. I want to share the gospel with you. And, 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 and let me tell you, he can change your life. But you, you ha we have to do that. We have to start doing it. Just, just be bold, not arrogant. But just say, you know what? I want to tell you about Jesus Christ. One preacher said, every Christian should spend two seconds in hell. They would literally come out on fire for Christ. I think we need to get that passion back. We need to rekindle what it means to be lost and know that we don't want that for anybody. I, I, I don't want that for my worst enemy. And we shouldn't either. We want people to come to saving faith in Christ.